Welcome to the Nebraska Prep Zone Report, a podcast from the World Herald. We are sponsored today by MD West One, Nebraska's most advanced sports medicine, orthopedics, nerve surgery, and spine care, covering greater Omaha for over 70 years. I'm your host on this rainy morning, Jake Anderson, and joining me as always is Mike Sauter. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm good. I am uh, very good. All right. Very good. Well, we got a few news and notes to discuss today before we preview this week's games, and I figured we'd lead off with Creighton Prep and Quarantine. Yeah, um, you know, kind of stinks for them, and, you know, they were supposed to play Bellevue West this week, and now Bellevue West is without an opponent for the first – two of the first three weeks, um, and really – could play eight, nine games, something like that, if everything holds, um, you know, um, even into the playoffs. So uh, really interesting, I guess, to, to see, uh, you know, prep quarantining for as long as they did. They had a player that was, um, I guess, uh, started quarantine uh, last Monday, so he did not play on Friday night. So Papillion didn't have to get quarantined or anything like that. Um, And uh, he was out kind of a week and then, you know, obviously contact with teammates and locker rooms and stuff like that is a, is a big, big uh, issue. So, you know, prep decided to just um, give it the full two weeks and, and uh, I think they'll likely play next week. And said, they said the 15th. So, um, I don't know if they'll be able to get a couple of days of practice in before a game. Um, but was there any worry for the team that they played before Monday West side? It was that Thursday game. So f- about four or five days before, but was there any worry for prior contact there? No, not, no. Um, not that, uh, that I'm aware of at all. No. Okay. Well, it sounds like they were able to catch it early enough, and now it just creates a wacky situation for Bellevue West, but that's kind of what we expected going into this season. Bellevue West did try and schedule a game against a few Iowa teams, but weren't able to, so for the second time in the first three weeks, they won't have a game. Right. Had, you know, it was uh, Southeast Polk would have been the game that they, they really tried to get that game done, and that would have been fun because both teams have some um, – uh, high-level players on it, and, and both teams are really good and ranked highly in Iowa and Nebraska, and uh, that would have been fun. But Southeast Polk decided to just play uh, in Iowa, stay in Iowa, not not you know travel over here. It would have been uh, actually it would have been on um, Saturday afternoon. Uh, the game would have been and. And uh, which would have been neat because that's different. And it, it likely would have been in Council Bluffs, either at Lewis Central or Wickersham Stadium. Um, and with so, the amount of prospects that both teams have, it would have been a decent uh, preview for the next level. Yeah, it would, it would have been a lot of fun. I mean, that's one where you just, you know, write a story on who has what offers. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, and, you know, normally we don't do that kind of stuff, but um that that would have been really neat to to kind of see and speaking of prospects with offers and Bellevue West 
wide receiver freshman who you've talked about before, Davon Hall, was offered by Iowa on Tuesday, and it's believed that that's the first Nebraska high school freshman for football to receive an offer. Yeah, um, it is, uh, you know, the first known uh, freshman to to receive an offer, or he's the earliest football uh, offer. There was uh, Preston Murphy, Chucky Hepburn, Hunter Salas in basketball recently. Um, and when I say known, you know, I mean, we didn't track these things 25 years ago, right? So uh, in the last, you know, I guess this century or the 2000s, uh, mm-hmm. uh, he, he would be the earliest. Uh, before that was Cam Jurgens, I believe. Um, so, and Cam was a little bit later after his freshman year. So, um, you know, I mean, the kid is special. Like he, he's a kind of a phenom and that's what happens with, with kids like that. So, um, you know, he's six two, one seventy five 175 now. He started out at 165 in June before he, um, started working out with the varsity team and, um, obviously was super excited to, to, uh, get that offer. And, uh, as I think people know, coaches can't call him. He has to call them. Um, and so he called Iowa's wide receiver coach, uh, Kelvin Copeland and, uh, coach Copeland gave him the news and he was, he said there was a lot of jumping up and down and excitement and, um, you know, it's good for him. And, and I think he's a kid that can handle the pressure just fine. Um, you know, starting as a wide receiver in Bellevue West offense is, as a freshman is, uh, that's, a, that means you're kind of a special guy because they got enough players to fill, you know, a fourth wide receiver or whatever. Now, um, I, I feel pretty confident in saying that uh, Nebraska or the state has never had four wide receivers with power conference offers. Um, <laughs> and that's what Bellevue West has right now. So, uh, Luke Johansson was the guy that uh, started at quarterback for them. He, he transferred from Bellevue East. Um, and he's going to put up a lot of numbers as a quarterback thrown to those guys if they get a lot of games in. That, that's the thing is, you know, how do you handle record, like, you know, season records and stuff? That's something that some of these kids are, are going to likely miss out on just because you're not going to be able playing games or they don't have enough games. So. Um, it, it, it'll be exciting to see kind of how Hall develops um, going forward if he keeps on putting weight and, and those sort of things. And it's another um, – we mentioned it last week, but it's another Iowa-Bellevue-West connection. Is that something that Mike Huffman talked, that he's kind of consistently hearing from Iowa coaches, or is there something about the program that Iowa likes? Well, I think it more has to do with Keegan Johnson committing. and. Um, Keegan uh, committed to Iowa, and I think that that's kind of the reason. Keegan likely probably said, hey, here's this freshman you need to take a look at, and um, I'm sure Huffman did too. And, and, um, and uh, Davon told me that Iowa has been um, – told, told him that they've been following him for months now and have watched a bunch of film of practices and – um, seven on seven stuff and all that and and like the development or like what they've seen so far um so 
that's kind of why I guess they offered when they did and and being the first to do it is is something that you know kids think about at times not all the time um, but he's also got to stay healthy and all of those things in order to to reach his full kind of potential he um, he did say that Iowa is the only school that has contacted him he hasn't heard from anyone else um, no dms on twitter no nothing like that no phone calls with coaches um, there hasn't been any of that so i was the only one right now that has uh has reached out to him which you know he's a freshman so it's he's got time long way to go and speaking of a long way to go ops is going to play fall sports in spring uh they that that feels like a long way to go. <laughs> um, you know, I guess I look at it a couple different things. The the plan or the talked about kind of plan right now is to start on March first with a five week uh, fall season in the spring. Um, each each just football wise, each football team would play two games, so they'd practice for you know, three weeks leading up to the two games. And uh, like Central would play Burke and North. Um, but there's, there's a lot of holes you could punch in that plan. Uh, one is they, they would have to get NSA approval um, or a change of the NSA bylaws to allow kids to play uh, multiple sports in a season. Right now, Nebraska is a state that doesn't allow that. Uh, also, just thinking logistically here. So uh, Omaha South has a really good soccer team. So does Omaha Bryan. Um, so who gets the practice time on the turf field right after school? Is that the football team or the soccer team? Or is do they rotate days? <laughs> like. Who's the team that's going to practice at 7 o'clock at night to start their practice under the light? Who's the team that's going to start practicing at 6 a.m. before school? Right. Like, what, do, what does that look – what do those logistics look like? Here's another thing, and I just take Central, for example. So, Omaha Central is really good at basketball normally, right? So, what happens in mid-March, two weeks into this practice – fall sports practice in the spring. Well, the state bas boys basketball tournament is in mid-March. Omaha Central's head football coach is also their top assistant as a basketball coach. So how does he split his time? Um, likely it's not, you know, feasible um, to split his time unless they find a way to practice after school. And Central is one of those schools that – only has one full court, so they need to go and practice at middle schools and other places um, anyway. So, and then you throw fall sports on top of it. Uh, also, a handful of assistant football coaches at, um, at Omaha Central are assistant boys basketball coaches, not just uh, their head coach, Jay Landstrom. So, how do you? coach both sports at the same time I mean it that that part's not really that hard but when you're getting ready for a state championship or state tournament you likely want all hands on deck um, 
You know, another one is Omar Norse boys basketball coach, is head boys basketball coach, is an assistant football coach. How do you do that? Like, you have those things. And another kind of thing that I thought of is when it comes to how do you do a cross country and a track season at the same time? It's your train, the training is two totally different things, totally opposite things, because, um, you know, cross country is a 5K or 3.1 miles. Um, and you're training, you're putting a lot of miles on your body, um, to train for that. Well, <clears throat> track is a, you know, a distance runner and track is a two mile or a 1600, or sometimes they run the 800 or four by eight and sometimes maybe even the 400. So that's a whole different set of training. Well, you also, if you have a cross country meet where you run 3.1 miles, on a Tuesday and it's Thursday, Friday, or Saturday when a track meet happens and that same athlete normally run is your best two miler or 3,200 and your best 1,600 runner and maybe runs an 800. How do you, the, how does the body recover in a day or two after? We're talking about high school athletes here, not Olympians um, that can likely do that. So those are some of the concerns. Um, and things that just, I don't think maybe were fleshed out before this plan kind of was in place. And there's still time for that plan, uh, to those things to get fleshed out. But those are kind of just the, off the top of my head, the first thing I thought of were those things. How does this happen? How does this make sense to do, you know, multiple sports? And one, you know, the NSA board is going to have to likely um, – approve a bylaw in order for this to happen or pass a, a new bylaw or an adjustment to the bylaws, which I don't know if they're going to be down for that. Um, and, I, and even if they do pass it, you're, you're likely asking a bunch of volleyball football players to decide between track or volleyball. And the other thing that I thought of while you're talking is, okay, what about golf? You're, right. you're going to have a bunch of boys and girls golf teams at the same time trying yeah. to split time on courses. Right. It, that doesn't make a lot of sense with the people. And I mean, the, the track and football thing that can be, you know, if you're, if you're a lineman and you're a thrower in track, that can be done. Uh, that's not as hard, right. Or a high jumper and a wide receiver. I mean, you know, you probably likely don't need to practice as much. Um, but again, you're training for two separate things. It's not like kids don't do that in the summers, but it just, it just feels like it, it would be a lot. Um, you know, does uh, Devin Jackson, who is a really good track athlete, does he, if the NSA doesn't pass a bylaw, does he, he's going to have to choose between playing a five-week season and running track well, he's really, really good at track, too, along with football. Um, you know, likely a state championship contender in, in multiple events on the track. He's going to have to choose. Deshaun Woods is another guy that's a thrower that is, you know, going to compete for a state championship as a shot put, disc, stuff like that. How, how do you – what does he do? Does he decide, well, the five-week thing isn't worth it? Um, you know, I mean, there's just so many kind the of. The thing to me 
that if we're talking about recovery time and we're worried about college athletes playing a shorter spring season, why aren't we worried about that for athletes in spring playing a five-week football season or a five-week volleyball season and then jumping right into summer weightlifting programs and seven-on-seven and volleyball camps and Mm -hmm. where's the recovery? Why aren't we worried about where's the recovery time for them? softball baseball like if you're the let's say you're a really good baseball player and you're the you're your school's best pitcher um well do you how do you and and you're the starting quarterback or play football well how how does that work like how do you you play a baseball game in the afternoon and a football game at night um which i mean that's a lot of throws on a shoulder and different things like that. So, um, I, you know, I, volleyball is another volleyball is a little different because they play just a ton of club, but that bumps into the spring. Uh, the spring is a, is, is club volleyball season. And, uh, you know, I know a handful of club volleyball coaches and they're, they're not likely to, to back down to, um, missing club volleyball for, for high school stuff in the spring when it's not necessarily generally their season. One way they could actually get it done if the NSA doesn't approve it is just call it intramurals. Um, but then again, I mean, you're not competing for anything but a city championship really anyway. Um, so it, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just don't think – I don't – I don't anticipate the NSA is going to make that change. I I just don't. And this isn't to poo-poo the idea at all, because as you know, and I know, and everyone knows, there are a bunch of OPS athletes in all sports who are champing at the bit to play right now. Yeah. Like they, I mean, yeah. And they're transferring and moving and all of that too. So, I mean, that stuff has happened. We kind of tried to warn people that it was going to happen if they didn't play fall sports. And, you know, Sam Scott is, is, uh, was at Omaha North. He's, um, he's probably likely the best OPS senior football player. And he's now transferred to Omaha Scott just to, so he could play football for his senior year. Um, so Omaha North loses out, right? Or here's a, here's another question. Like, does a kid like that, like Sam maybe, or, or others, that have transferred, do they get to go back to um, the school they were at and play in a spring again? Like, is that, is that going to be allowed to happen? Um, or if a junior jumps schools and plays in the fall with his new team, and then if he wants to jump back to his original team the next fall? Yeah. I, jumping back and forth I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of those kind of questions. I think, I do think there there has been some talk about the juniors that have left, they come back for their senior year to their original school. That's been a conversation, but, um, you know, we'll see. I, I guess it's, I, you know, I'm, am I confident the plan will work? No. Um, there's just too many kind of what ifs right now to, to get it done. Yeah. And I think this is a good time to jump to this Friday's games or this week's games. Um, our first one, Battle of Millard, number two, Millard South, coming in 2-0 and against number five, Millard West, 1-1. and 
That it that would be the uh, Battle of Q Street is what they call that game. So um, Millard South, uh, Millard West, did, you know, um, Millard South played a tough one against Elkhorn South. Um, threw the ball a little bit. Gage Stanger had a, a really nice game for Millard South. Um, sort of TJ Urban on both sides of the ball. Um, that'll be an interesting one because Millard West doesn't – can Millard West impose their will running the ball? Both teams like to run it first. Um, and, and which one does it better likely will win or which defense kind of holds up. And, um, you know, if you – I hate transitive property stuff like, oh, we beat this team, beat this team, so that means they're going to beat this team. Um, but, you know, you look – Millard South beat Elkhorn South. Elkhorn South beat um, Millard West. Both games were really close. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if this one's a, another close game too. And, and really, Millard South plays – it feels like they're going to, you know, have to play some close games like that if they're not getting turnovers. and um, And really, if you're playing close games, the margin for error is pretty slim. So um, should be a, a, a nice game. Uh, James Conway is going to have to have a big game uh, reading and reacting to TJ Urban. That little matchup within the game uh, would be really good. Conway's a linebacker for, for Millard West, and, and TJ's a quarterback, so and he likes to run the ball a lot. So, um, you know, what, pick what would the key for the Patriots be to stop Millard West? Uh, just play sound. I, I, I think, you know, I, their defense is really good. They got a bunch of athletes. I think if they just kind of do what they do, be, be fine. And um, you know, Tate Hendricks is a nice player. They had a good game on Friday night for Millard South too. And um, Millard South has more athletes on the back end um, of their defense. They match up really well. Just going to be a matter of can they stop the run and, and Miller West, you know, likes to run the ball. Um, that's kind of their priority. So, um, you know, we'll, it, it should be interesting to follow along with. I won't be there, but it should be an interesting uh, follow to, to see how that game plays out. Our next one, number eight, Grand Island, 1-0 against number six, Lincoln Southeast, 2-0. Battle undefeated It's probably a good first true test for both teams here. Yeah, you know, uh, Grand Island missed their first game because of quarantine stuff. Um, should be a nice game. You, you'd expect um, Southeast to maybe come out with a win. They, you know, like they didn't – they kind of reloaded a little bit. McGinnis Schneider's playing quarterback full time now and uh, kind of made an adjustment. He was playing some defense and was kind of the ba- was the backup quarterback and played a little bit of quarterback last year for Southeast. Um, you know, there's another Gifford along the way um, that that play is playing pretty well for Southeast right now. And, um, you know, they, they, they got a nice line. They got good athletes. Um, both teams are really coached well. Coach Tomlin does a fantastic job at Grand Island. Um, it's going to be the, the tougher team's going to win. I mean, that's normally in football, but, you know, Coach Tomlin just knowing the way that he coaches and, and whoever whoever's a tougher team's going to win. And, um, it'll be, you know, Frankel is going to have to have a good game for Grand Island. Um, so there's a lot of young talent on kind of both teams too that uh, we'll see, you know, in a big-time kind of game like that against a tough opponent who 
who's ready for that um, right now. So um, it'd be a lot better if, you know, student sections and fans and stuff showed up. It'd be a little different. The environment matters more that way. Um, but it, it should be a, a, a decent game, I would say, probably a close game. And, and you know, Southeast is favored, so or the higher-rated higher team and uh, returns a little bit more, so you would expect them to come out of the win, but it wouldn't shock me if Grand Island did either. And then jumping to Class B, we have number six Bennington against number two Norris. Both teams coming in at 2-0. and Norris moving up in the ratings with Scott dropping to Waverly. That was a good battle last week. Um, and this one, kind of the one to highlight, is the name everyone knows, James Carney, tight end. You kind of featured him this week. He's committed to Miami of Ohio, but he's still hearing from a few schools. Yeah, you know, Boise State is offered, Wyoming offered. Uh, hearing from uh, K-State, Nebraska, Iowa a little bit too. Um, big, strong kid with some speed. He fits kind of the prototypical tight end that people are looking for right now. Um, it, he, he, he wants a power conference offer. Boise State's about as close as – I mean, that's, they're basically a power conference school. If you look at it, they haven't lost a game. They haven't had a losing record since 1997. Um, and always ranked in the top 25 and that, but you know, I, it'll be that one, that recruitment will be kind of neat to see. He, I did ask him if, if Nebraska were to offer him his 20 miles down the road, um, it, if Nebraska were to offer him, um, would he just jump at it? And he said, he'd likely have to think about it. They already, Nebraska already has two tight ends committed and Thomas Fedoni and AJ Rollins. Um, so it's, it's something I think he's hoping for, but again, do you want to be the third, you know, three tight ends in a class, uh, in a recruiting class? It's kind of difficult. K-State's done a really nice job recruiting him and uh, seemed pretty excited about K-State uh, when I talked to him. So that'll be interesting. Another guy, a guy for uh, Bennington, Tyler LeClaire, has had a fantastic start to the season. He's a, a, a phenomenal athlete and um, really tough kid. So that – that that game, uh, we'll see. You know, Bennington lost a lot quarterback in that last year and from last year. So we'll see if if uh, Bennington can kind of you know go on the road and uh, handle a, 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 what is likely a, a difficult environment. Obviously, a road test um, and a really good Norris team that has you know not just Carney, but they they got a bunch of other guys too. So Cooper Hausman's a really uh, athletic quarterback for them and um I I, I just don't you know I we'll see if if, if Bennington wins that game they're definitely in the conversation and for real for real um so that that one will be kind of obviously interesting to to see how it plays out our last matchup here is class c and again another early season true test for both teams Number nine, St. Paul, one and one at number two, Kearney Catholic, two and zero. Oh. Games early for Kearney Catholic haven't been close. They've outscored their first two opponents, one hundred to six, which is both a note on them and probably their opponents. Um, St. Paul is a good team and should give them a test. Yeah, uh, St. Paul likes to run the ball, um, and Kearney Catholic likes to throw it. So obviously with uh, Heinrich Harburg is is kind of a 
you know, obviously the star and he's had a, you know, pretty fantastic start to the season, I would say. Um, it'll battle of wills, two different teams, um, two different styles of teams, I guess I should say. So, I mean, St. Paul is one and one. Um, they lost, I believe, last week. I'm looking up right now. Um, uh, no, they beat Broken Bow and sorry, and lost to Pierce in week one. So, and Pierce is always a, a really good team. So, that's not uh, super, I guess, surprising would be the, um, the words there. But we'll, we'll see, like, weather could be a factor if it's raining, if it's not raining, um, if it's cold or windy. You know, you, you got to be able to run the ball. Um, uh, if, if St. Paul can run the ball, they, they might be fine. Eli Larson is a, a really, really good senior running back for them, for St. Paul. Um, but I guess you do have Heinrich Harburg. Is this the week that we could see more of Harburg running? Right. I was just going to say that. I mean, he could – he, this is likely where you'll see him pull it down with his legs and, and take off a little bit and show his athleticism and not just his, you know, strong throwing arm. So um, could be a tough one. We'll, you know, obviously um, whoever can control the game with what they want to do offensively, if St. Paul can run the ball and Carney Catholic can throw it, then, you know, would, it's going to be hard for St. Paul to maybe keep up. But uh, Larson is a really good guy, good back, and he's a guy that that people kind of need to, I think, talk about a little bit more. And those those are our games to watch this week. Mike Sauter will be headed to an eight man game on Friday night. That's the Pinnacle Bank game of the week: Howells Dodge in Cross County. So keep an eye out for updates on that one and keep an eye out for updates from our high school football coverage on any prep zone. Until next time, thanks for listening. As the official team doctors for high school and college teams across greater Omaha, MD West One Sports Med doctors can get you back into the game stronger than ever. Meet the Sports Med team at mdwestone.com or call 402-390-4111.